Hello and welcome to the latest Science of Sport podcast. I'm your host Matt Solomon and today I'm delighted to be joined by Julia Eyre. So Julia works as a strength coach, sports scientist and psychologist based in Germany. She currently serves as the head of sports science at the Youth Academy of TSG Wiesek and she founded White Lion, which is a service offering accessible and accurate information about health and performance. And for today's podcast, we're really interested in looking at how she works as a psychologist in her role at the academy to make sure that athletes are performing at their best at all times. So without further ado, it's time to welcome Julia onto the show. So Julia, welcome to the Science of Sport podcast. It's a pleasure to have you here. Hi, Matt. I'm super excited to be here. Thanks for sharing your mic with me today. Thank you very much for joining us. So can you give us a quick introduction as to who you are and what you've been up to until now? Most definitely. So I'm a sports scientist and a psychologist. I'm also a strength and conditioning coach. I come out of more of like a neuroscience aspect of psychology, but now I work as a sports psychologist with my own company, White Lion Performance, where we consult with uh, athletes. So individually, but for the most part here in Germany and in the States as well, then um, yeah, clubs, federations, Olympic um Fabenda, I don't know what that is in English Bonds, now, but yeah, associations. Yeah, associations. There we go. And I'm also the strength and conditioning slash sports science and sports psychology coordinator at Tiski Vizek uh, Youth Academy in the area around Eintracht Frankfurt. So I also work primarily in football. Yes. Awesome. So that's a super diverse range of skills and backgrounds, and, and we're here to take some of that psychology stuff from you today. So uh, I'm really it. looking forward to to getting stuck into that. But before we get into the, the nitty gritty of like how athletes can improve their performance using sports psychology, what, what's the importance of it? Because I think we've all seen the athlete who under one head coach, they're kind of like, eh, they're not that great. And, and another one, they've not got better as an athlete, but that psychology, that, that coach has changed them and they're a well beater. So like, what's the importance of sports psychology for athletic performance? Super interesting that you ask it that way because, um, you have to really define sports psychology for what it is beforehand. And that is a lot of times we wind up having to do the damage control of like, oh, this person massively crashed or had a horrible performance. And now we have to pick them back up and put them together. But as you said, you can work on it in advance and be proactive. And what's important about to know about sports psychology is like the brain and the nervous system control everything that we do and massively influence everything we do. So if we're just focused on this fitness, technical and tactical aspect, we're missing the queen bee, like the main point, which is the brain and the nervous system and integrating all of that together. So sports psychology really just is the intersection of the brain behavior and the body um, at one time. So when coaches are able to use skills to give to athletes, I'm obviously grateful as a sports psychologist that they're able to help them. Um, and it's also absolutely critical for keeping a team together, for keeping athletes performing their best. and most, if not all, sport um, sports will become more psychological slash more mental and cognitive than anything else in the next years because things can only get so fast and so physical before they also get mental. So sports psychology is a huge, uh, huge key, the brain and the nervous system. And how do you think that, that weighs up against each other? So you've got like the, the psychology, you've got the tactical, the technical, the physical, like how important do you think then that psycho psychological side is? If you said um, tactical technical is like uh, 30% of, of total performance, how much influence does sports psychology have on all those other things? Totally fascinating question because I feel like those three together, the 
the fitness, the technical and tactical aspect make 100%. And then the psychology is kind of over that as an umbrella of like the brain and the nervous system are already in this mix. And so really it's just diving in and optimizing those key things of like, okay, so I know uh, in a technical sense, my skills are not nearly as good. My fine motor skills are not nearly as good when I'm not calm. Okay, now we're in the psychology level of how do we calm you down so that you can actually execute these skills better. Um, so it's really difficult to say it's the last 5%, it's the last 12% or, you know, people who will give you the BuzzFeed version of it's all 80% mental and 20% physical. It's not. <laughs> it's actually on. <laughs> And psychological and then 100% everything else just strictly based on the fact that unconsciously the brain is in control of all of the other things that we do and so it's really just bringing that into our consciousness and looking at where we can optimize things along the way I think that's a really nice way of putting it so instead of psychological side of things being like a percentage maybe it just boosts the other things by a percentage and allow you to express yourself in the in the way that you're capable yeah it's all about optimization of all of those other aspects outside of, like I said, when we're doing damage control and we just have to put players back together so they can perform again. But even also in that sense, it's still kind of <laughs> putting that fitness, technical and tactical piece together and then optimizing it as well. So ultimately, that's all I do all day. <laughs> that's all I do. Say super casual. That's all I do. Yeah. But it's, it might, might be a little bit more difficult than that. But yeah. Um, <laughs> so in, in, term, in terms of then your, like, your advice for athletes, like, um, I want to go through some like some of the key tips which which you want to give to athletes to make sure that they can perform optimally. So, what would you say are the biggest three pieces of psychological advice you can give to to an athlete? Notice where you struggle with things is one thing. Just like notice, for example, how you talk to yourself because we talk to ourselves the most. Most of us have that in ongoing internal monologue all day that some of us are not even aware it exists. And then some of us are aware it exists, but don't know exactly what is being said. Uh, and if you pay attention, especially if you're somebody who's very self-critical, you'll start noticing the things that you unconsciously say to yourself um, and what you are letting come into your brain, even from social media, from coaches, what you decide to listen to, which feedback you decide to take in. Um, and try to be a little bit more conscious of what goes on inside your brain itself, what inputs you're giving yourself and what inputs you're letting in because again we want to bring all these things back into our consciousness and only let in what is optimizing our performance and our health ultimately at the end of the day because a healthy athlete can perform better and longer um integration of the brain and the nervous system like i said because they are there so uh, recovery being a huge part for somebody who trains a lot um for athletes who have especially in the season are in a competitive cycle you will notice that the cognitive exhaustion is definitely real. And you'll notice when your nervous system starts to get down and you might need a break or, hey, my HRV has dropped. That's probably also, um, in a big sense, psychological for stress coming in. Hey, what kind of stress do we have also outside of sport? For example, yeah, my training schedule and competitive schedule is crazy. But um, what about my real life stress? And have I recovered enough from, you know, the exams I had to take or the family issues I'm having, stuff like that. So recovery is huge. Um Noticing how we talk to ourselves is huge. Um, and then also learning how to communicate well with your coaches and other athletes on your team or your strength and conditioning coach or your physio as well. And really being able to express what you need, because most of us are not aware of actually what, what the need is, what we're trying to improve. We're just working towards something. So without having that clear goal in mind and knowing what's the next step I got to take, 
how do I get there and what do I, what skills do I need to acquire to get me there as well? Um, you can't communicate that to anybody. So we have to, first of all, recognize what we need and then learn how to better communicate in order to get the best out of ourselves. And especially if you're in a team, then working as a unit, you have to be able to communicate those things. So those would be the three that just pop into my head. Cool. So I want to unpack them in a, in a logical order. So let's, uh, let's go for, for the first one. Like how, how do athletes then monitor their own self-talk and how do they use that to, to improve their performance? Super interesting and sounds totally stupid. <laughs> the first, uh, the first glance, but a really easy way to do it is put some coins in your left pocket or right pocket or whatever. And then every time you hear yourself speaking nicely to yourself, you move one. And every time you hear yourself speaking poorly to yourself, you move it back to the left side, just to have a general overview of throughout the day or over an hour or throughout this training session. How did I speak to myself? You can also do it with like tally marks on your wrist. I've done as well, or um, other athletes actually write it down on like a post-it note it depends on in what situation you're doing it in. But if you can look over the course of a day, how do I speak with myself? What are the main thoughts that are coming into my head? And what are the main like sources that I'm getting my, my self information from? Let's put it that way. Is it from my coach who's giving me feedback? Uh, is it from the psychologist who's reflecting with me or helping me to reflect? Is it from Instagram that's telling me I'm terrible and should train like Cristiano Ronaldo or, you know, who's it from? Um, where's the information coming from and is a good information. So being able to recognize that first of all, with just something as dumb as making a check mark on a piece of paper on one side or the other. And then as soon as you know how you're speaking to yourself and where are the main issues that are popping up or where's the main information, then changing the sources is always an option. And then learning how to filter that information and talk better to ourselves is then the next step on top of that. And that's usually pretty specific. So I work in one-on-one sessions or in group sessions with athletes doing that. It depends on what those sources and what the, that information is, but noticing it, identifying it is always the first step, bringing it to the conscious level. I think, I think that's a a really interesting one. I've heard that, that coin trick before with, uh, with rocks. I think coins are probably way easier, like rocks in your pocket is maybe a little bit less handy. Um, and I ha- I've heard at least that for someone it worked really well that they were, they were talking to themselves and basically, um, there was a, but before everything they say. So it just, it just completely, um, reduces their argument mm-hmm. to, to, uh, to a lower level every time they say something. And it, it, eventually that kind of plays on your mind and you're like, Oh yeah, well, but this, this, this is this. And it kind of reduces, reduces the power of, of what you're saying to the point where you're kind of like, Oh yeah, I don't really feel very good about that. And like, well, mm-hmm. that's the, one of the reasons, not maybe everything, but one of the things you can do is, is be confident in what you're saying. And when you're aware of that, there, that person was switching a rock from their pocket like 15 times in an, uh, in a conversation and you're yeah. kind of like, Oh wow. Like that, that's a huge area that I can improve with. I was completely, completely unaware of. Yeah. But think about it. Like we become desensitized to negative information about ourselves all the time, especially in sports or in school where, you know, you learn you're not good enough. There's always something to improve. And we equate there's something to improve with. I'm bad, (laughs) which is not the case. It's just, there's something to improve upon. Doesn't mean that you're bad. Um, and sport is not always, especially professional sport, is not always the nicest place to learn good things about yourself, right? You're not going to get uh, coddled and told you're so great at this. It's usually more critical 
uh, and reflective than anything else. And generally speaking, also negative um, because the people who lose are then usually very unhappy about losing. <laughs> yeah. And so first of all, as I said, bringing that um, into the consciousness is so important um, because then we can look at changing it and giving less weight to the negative things and becoming more sensitized against the negative things like, hey, no, that's not actually accurate. Or, hey, no, that doesn't matter to me, actually, because I know that I'm great. Or, hey, that mistake doesn't matter because I know I'm the best person here on, on the pitch. Or I know I'm the best person. So that one rep, that one fail doesn't matter because I know it's not important. Tomorrow I will make it. Um, and so we learn how to give less weight to those negative experience and more weight to the positive experience, which ultimately boosts our confidence yeah. massively as well. Excellent, excellent. And in terms of that second tip, so it's like, the, the recovery and the, the mental integration with the, the physical neurological stuff. Like, mm -hmm. How can athletes hack into that system to make sure that they're improving all aspects of that mental and, and physical, which, which link together? So know that it's all interconnected, whether you like it or not. Okay? <laughs> yeah. Tough shit. Sleep is, sleep is a huge indicator. Resting heart rate. HRV are really great indicators of how all of these things are working together because if you are exhausted during the day but you cannot sleep, something else is going on. Um, if your HRV is tanking, which that's basically to make everything really oversimplified, basically the time between your heartbeats and we want it to be longer. So we want to have a, a bigger wave, right? If we can get it into the 90s, the 100s, then we're looking at a quote unquote nice recovery HRV during the night, right? As a baseline. Um, and that it will shrink, so we'll have less time between heartbeats, meaning our resting heart rate is also higher, um, most likely at baseline, when we are more stressed or less recovered or less able to get into that restful sleep. So having markers that you can track and not just entirely resting your, is my recovery good based on, am I tired when I wake up in the morning or do I feel good going into this training session? That's not enough to also be keeping track of how your nervous system and how your brain are doing. Um, so integrating more internal load data, specifically those three can be really, really helpful in 24 hours during the day, or at least a couple baseline points um, throughout the day. And again, the, the rest of what I do as a psychologist is for the most part, uh, more individualized and less data driven and less data focused as the recovery aspect. But this is a huge point where people do not learn how to act like efficiently and accurately recover by themselves. And so um, realizing that your nervous system needs it and it controls everything else. And over the course of time, if you are not efficiently recovering, learning how to efficiently recover over your career, it's going to tank out your performance at some point, whether you like it or not. <laughs> so if you can get ahead of it when you're in a training cycle um, and start tracking and just looking um, in a very non-attached way, how is my brain and body in flux? And maybe I need an extra hour of sleep here, especially for women with menstrual cycles. Maybe I need, you know, one or two extra hours of sleep at this particular week or um, as I'm traveling or because I've been sick or, hey, my HRV is tanking, so I might already be sick. Let me go ahead and pack some sleep on top of that or try to pull back on training and get some extra rest in or whatever. All of those things are really important because they keep us mentally and physically healthy over the long run. And that's a point where psychology really shows itself as being integrated with the brain and yeah, the body and with data that we can control. And I can Does that answer that, your question? Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. And I can imagine that consistency. So that long term, that, that all adds up, right? I mean, it can be difficult to see in a, in a one or two day like really small cycle where you're just kind of going, oh yeah, well, I slept better. So that's good. 
Well, yeah, totally. that, that is but good. But add, add that up. It's massive. Yeah. So long, long term, I can certainly see the uses for that. Um, and uh, the third tip, can you take us through what, like how that's going to affect performance? Can you go into a little bit more depth on that one? The communication point? Yep, which I definitely didn't just forget. <laughs> if you can't communicate with your team and tell them what you need, uh, you're in a bad spot. So communication makes everything better. Having an active, dynamic form of communication, taking seriously how you communicate with other people, what you say, being purposeful with the words that you use, and also taking responsibility for does that person understand what I'm saying to them? Like if I'm a coach or even if I'm, I don't know, a team captain and I'm explaining something to my team and I explain it in a way that makes sense for me, but it doesn't make sense to my team. It hasn't arrived there. Then I've totally failed in my task because it has to arrive to the destination. Um, and that's my responsibility. It's not my responsibility necessarily um, how they react, respond, and what they do with that information. But it is my responsibility that they at least understand because my job is to give them information. So even as an athlete, if I'm communicating with my doctors, with my psychologist, with my physio, with my strength coach, yeah, they have an idea maybe of what I need, but I need to be able to clearly communicate how I'm doing, um, what I need to focus on, where I'm struggling, and being able to communicate those things um, precisely in a way that makes sense so that something can be done about it. Um, communication is always a big one for me because I feel like the coach athlete relationship struggles under this so badly. And as soon as people learn how to communicate accurately and take responsibility for it, does this person even understand what I'm saying to them? We see a huge difference in the coach athlete relationship as well, but in general, in life, <laughs> everybody yeah. understands, I think that communication is super important, um, and making sure people understand what you need as soon as, of course, you've understood what you need is critical to success. Absolutely. Excellent. So in terms of getting that kind of summarized, I wanted to, to ask you to put that together in a, in a case study. So can you take us through how you would then use these three key tips with an athlete to, to improve their performance? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to have to fictionalize this because I've never had somebody who's had all three. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's probably a good thing. <laughs> um, Recovery is critical regardless of which way it goes. Um, the first step for me is always recovery because that's something that's usually really simple to adjust. So I work with a lot of athletes between the ages of 14 and 20, and they're not the best at sleeping. So if we can get sleep on track and recognize, hey, this is really important, and um, for also for my long-term health and long-term playing career, I need to keep this on track and keep monitoring how it's going – and again, learning that you can see when you're starting to get sick or when you're starting to struggle or suffer in advance if you pay attention uh, and then actually get ahead of it by getting more sleep or eating differently or whatever. Really critical to performance. Players love to learn that because they are able to take more control back. Yeah. And then um, I had I've had lots of communication <laughs> case studies now <laughs> I've got to consider. <laughs> Um, as far as how we speak to ourselves, I've had several athletes who, who the massive change in performance and even how comfortable they are in their own skin and their own self-reflection becomes so much more comfortable and they become so much less self-critical as soon as they can speak better to themselves and realize, hey, I'm probably really uncomfortable tackling this piece of technical and tactical um, 
training where I'm really, where I've always struggled with, I don't know, um, headers. I've always struggled with headers and now it's so much easier to deal with and train headers and talk to my coach about headers because I'm not talking shit to myself about it all the time. Like, Oh, you're so terrible in front of the goal. You'll never get your head on that thing. And that's what I'm telling myself the whole entire time. As soon as I can notice that I'm doing that, start using affirmations in place of the negative things and give less weight to my teammates who say, Oh, that was horrible. As soon as it flies over the goal. Now I can actually find more comfort in training that specifically because before I was avoiding it because it was causing just negative things swimming around in my brain. That's really important. Obviously when we get higher up um, at a more professional level and it becomes like the really small things have to be improved, <laughs> like the minute details have to be improved um, and we can get break through a lot of avoidance behavior by changing how we talk to ourselves. And the communication is really the same thing. As soon as you can notice and reflect on, Hey, this is what I, I need how can I communicate this to the right people at the right time whether it's to the coach to players or players to coach or players to players or whatever it may be uh, and make sure that it lands in a way that they can understand now we're suddenly going to be efficient and that I can't even find one case study to that, <laughs> like for that because there's so so many as soon as you can get better communicating more precisely with less words um because people stop paying attention as soon as you start talking basically if they haven't gotten the point in the first three seconds <laughs> precisely um, that we can get some serious work done. And at the end of the day, like I said, in psychology, we want to be proactive instead of doing damage control. So if we can learn these three things in advance, we can work so much more proactively and have so much less damage, which ultimately the damage affects player availability, passion in the game, the fun, success, and um, health of athletes as well. We want to keep them healthy and happy for as long as possible, performing at a high level. Absolutely perfect. So, Julia, massive thanks for your time and effort today. I really appreciate it and I really enjoyed it as well. Where can people find some more information about you and what you're up to? The great news is that I forget everything. So, <laughs> I labeled all of my social medias at White Lion Performance. So, if you would That's like clever. something, <laughs> just search White Lion Performance because there's no other name out there. Thanks so much for the invite, Matt. I really had a great time. Thank you very much. And that's it once again. A massive thanks to Julia for all of her hard work in today's podcast. I really appreciate it. I'm sure you do at home too. So if you enjoyed today's podcast and you want to find out some more great sports science and sports psychology information, you can get yourself into the Coach Academy completely for free for the next seven days using the link in the show notes. And of course, if you have enjoyed today's podcast, it would be fantastic if you can give us a like and a share on social media and recommend us to a coach, a colleague, an athlete or a friend. That means that we can keep bringing the best possible guests and the best possible content. And that's it. Once again, a massive thanks from me. I'm Matt Solomon for Science of Sport, and I'll speak to you next week.